Hi, thanks for joining me today. Are you ready to be a philosopher for a half an hour? Because we're going to have a great conversation with Darius Franklin, a young man who I'm betting is going to become a well-known person in years to come. And we're talking today with him about goodness. What is it? Where does it come from? And why does it matter? I have a special treat for you today because instead of walking through verses of the Bible, we're going to take a subject and really explore and talk about it with another person. We're going to have a conversation about goodness this time because we just came out of our last podcast talking about God made a good world. And it's so significant. It's so important that he did that, that we just have to talk about it. We have to explore why and what does that mean for us and how do we live that out and how do we know the Lord better because of that. So my friend Darius Franklin is here with me today. I'm so grateful that you're here, Darius. And just a little bit about about Darius. He is a young man in college right now at Patrick Henry College in Virginia. Such a good college, really anchored in... I think Christianity and in classical roots. And he also had an opportunity this last summer to intern for one of the U.S. House of Representatives. How cool is that, Darius? <laughs> and uh, he's now finishing up his, what year are you in again? I'll be starting my junior year. Okay, so your third year. And you're majoring in? Uh, American politics and policy. Okay, yeah. so yeah, you're really focusing in on... <laughs> just governmental political things. So I think you're going to have a really neat insight on our topic today about goodness and, um, and how that plays out in our, in our society and in our civilization as a government, as a people, as Americans. So I'm looking forward to this. Are you ready? We're just going to pray. We're going to launch. Absolutely. Okay. So Lord, thank you. We just invite you into this conversation and we just pray you'd be lifted up Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, Darius, so why don't you and I start with just defining. Darius and I, just for our listeners, we both have a classical education background. We've both been spending a lot of time in, well, the classics, honestly, and, and talking about truth, goodness, and beauty, and, and looking at things. And one of the big things about classical education is defining. We have to define our terms. Absolutely. So what, yeah. what do you think um, goodness is? What's goodness to you? And how would you define it? Yeah, the way that I've always thought of goodness is uh, whatever is in line with God's will. And so, you know, you can, you can have differing definitions. You can have, you know, economic goodness or, you know, political goodness or, you know, even philosophical goodness. Um, but I, I think that all of those are interpretations of goodness or, you know, how we how we kind of personally defined goodness, but objective goodness is that which is in line with God's will. That's the only true good in the world. Yeah, because you hear a lot about, well, that's good for you. It's not good for me. It's like, well, I think that has to do with moral goodness too, like um, that some people would choose moral, different morals, different moral good lines. The problem with that, of course, is that it just boils down to opinion. Everybody has their opinion. And so there's no higher standard that goes above people. And that's, that's where the Lord comes in is just providing that. So that's, that's a good thing. Okay. So yeah, I would agree with that definition. Um, it was interesting when I was studying that creation story 
the good that the Lord was talking about was pleasant and beautiful, that that's what he, he made it. And it was desirable, desirable going for, it was his will. And, and it was, there was beauty in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I was, I was thinking about this yesterday and I kind of think that, that beauty is the manifestation of goodness, like the temporal manifestation of goodness. Um, it's, it's a way for us to interact with good using our senses. And so you can have you know, beautiful music. Why is that music beautiful? Because it is good and it's pleasing to the ears. Or we can have a beautiful painting or a beautiful scenery. And why is that good? Because you know, it's God's creation or our interpretation of God's creation manifested on paper for our eyes to see. Uh, why, does, why do flowers smell good? Right? It's because it's, it's something that is beautiful that our senses are able to interpret. And so I've always thought that, that beauty is just the, the manifestation, the temporal manifestation of the good, whatever God determines the good to be. So do you think you can have beauty without goodness? I, I think it's pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, there might be one example or so out there, but uh, the vast majority of, of beauty is most certainly that which is in line with the good. Yeah, I, I think so too. You don't hear somebody say, look at that bad thing. Boy, boy it's really beautiful, isn't it? You know, you don't, right. you don't hear that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, well, then let's just mention truth then. So how does truth come in with beauty, beauty and goodness, do you think? Yeah, that's, that's a good question as well. I, I think that truth is, I don't know, it just kind of is whatever the good is. Um, because whatever is true is is right right whatever is true is correct and that which is correct is good that what is that's that which is truth is good um not all truths are are pleasant and not all truths are beautiful but most certainly that it's, it's most certain that truth is a manifestation of the good as well yeah i can remember times in my life where the lord has spoken things to me that were kind of painful and difficult but true and ultimately good, like they produced good. So there's kind of that, you know, that principle Jesus said, you know, unless a, a seed dies, you know, it cannot produce fruit. It can't grow. It's just kind of the same thing as a Christian. And unless there's things that die in us, there's not going to be this beautiful resurrection, this growth. Truth can be difficult, can be painful, but it's, it's good. Right. Like even in the times where, where I've been like, wow, that, that, it's not a great thing. Like the Lord will show me something. I'm like, oh, my heart. Oh, that's not great. But boy, is it good to to be aware of it and confess it and get it out. So yeah, there's truth and goodness and beauty. Yeah, they go together. They definitely are related and they kind of are partners. I think they hold hands as they go forward in the abstract world. Yeah. All right. Well then, if something is good in one's eyes that indicates that person's desire or will, uh, we talked about that. If it's good in God's eyes, it's his, it's his will, and it's that's goodness. But do you think a person can really grasp that? Like, can they? Can we make? Can we do good? Can we be good? What do you think about that as people? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the, the Bible makes it pretty clear that man is fallen, right? That that he has a sin nature, and. Really, the answer to that question depends upon one's interpretation of total depravity, right? I mean, it's very clear that we all have a sin nature and that we're prone to sin. Um, but 
are we capable of doing good things in the midst of that of that sin? Um, I I kind of tend to lean towards the answer of yes, that it is possible for us to do good things. Um, simply because we're made in the image of God, right? And the image of God is an intrinsically good thing, right? It is it is the good manifested in our very nature. And so the ability for man to do good, I, I think that it is possible. I mean, and if you look at, you know, various stories throughout the Bible, it's very clear that people have done good, right? We have, you know, the uh the the prodigal son, right, in the in the parable told by Jesus, right? What did the prodigal son do? I mean, yes, he sinned. But in the midst of his sin, he did good and he came back to the father. Right. And I think that's the story of all of us, of of our, you know, the fall and then the redemption of mankind um, as we as we return to our heavenly father. You know, I think of of David as well. Right. And how the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Right. And that was a good thing. And so simply because we have a sin nature does not preclude us from doing good things. But it does mean that, you know, the vast majority of the time we're not doing good. Good. Yeah, I absolutely. I think about there's a philosopher named Francis Schaeffer who said, because we were made in the image of God, we can create beautiful things. We can do good things. Think about Bach writing music or Beethoven or beautiful pictures and drawings, you know, Leonardo da Vinci and his amazing and Michelangelo, his sculptures, you know, just all these amazing art. So we have this ability to create beautiful, good things. But then we also have this horrible cruelty as humans and evil ability to, to do evil. And that's because we have this sin nature. So we have these, both of these things going on at the same time, this made in the image of God, but also having a fallen, broken sin nature. And so you see both, you see both good and you see evil from people. So that's that's hard, you know, as living here, it's like, whew, okay, <laughs> there's both, there's both good and evil. All right. So I was, I was reading a little bit about mere Christianity, preparing for this, and C.S. Lewis had some interesting things about morality that he uh, looked at, and he said that there's like three major components of morality. He said there's relations between man and man. So just fair play, you know, being kind to others. And then there's things inside a person. So just dealing with your own self, like greed, cowardice, you know, self-conceit, those kind of things. And then there's relations between man and the power that made him, that that general purpose of human life as a whole, what man was made for. And so modern people always are nearly always thinking about that first thing about, you know, relating with other people. And so I'm just wondering, like, okay, in your life in Washington, D.C., you know, you're there, you're seeing things. Did you see, like, what did you see, moral goodness? Like, did you see it between people? Did you see it within people? Did you see people struggling with it? Did you see any kind of between God and man, you know, things? Tell us tell us what you saw. Right. And it, your mileage will vary uh, with this in Washington, D.C. I, I was very blessed in that I was able to work in a Christian office um, with for a Christian representative. And so, you know, the people in that office, they had a genuine care and love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, but, but the moment that you step outside of an environment like that, I, I find it kind of hard to believe that even people care about the first tenet of morality, that being the relationship between man and man. Um, okay. and, and the reason why is because DC is such a place that, you know, it's just a rat race to the top. And whenever you're, you know, 
out and talking with people, it's not really because you care about them. It's because you're actually networking and hoping that they'll get you some job at some point in time in the future. Um, and so, you know, morality really uh, only exists in, in a few small places, a few small pockets, you know, in D.C. And that's not only relegated to Washington, D.C. That's really the entire world, right? Because all of us have a sin nature and all of us in our interpersonal relationships are, you know, worried about, oh, how do I look to this person over here? Or, oh, wow, I really wish that, you know, I had so-and-so's car or so-and-so's house. Um, and so because of that, our sin nature oftentimes shines through even above the first sin of morality and most certainly above the second and third sin of tenets of reality or morality. So is there hope? I mean, uh, how do you live your life? Live, how do you live your life with hope as a twenty-year-old person? Right, you're twenty, right? Mm -hmm. Are you twenty? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, how do you how do you live with hope? Well, I mean, your hope has to be Jesus, right? Is that the the battle's already been won for morality and for goodness, and there's nothing that that I have to do to effectuate that. God already has it under His control, and so you know the notion that you know that the world is a fallen and lost place. It absolutely is. Uh, but not only is God going to win in the end, we're also called to be lights unto the world um, and to show his goodness. And so regardless of, you know, whether the world treats us well or whether the world wants us to be there or whether the world is moral, we still have an obligation to be moral. And that obligation is not just, you know, to our fellow human beings. It's ultimately an obligation that Christ places upon us. Yeah, that is that is true. I think I'm going to call you whenever I get kind of down. <laughs> say, Darius, help me have perspective. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I've just been really struck um, in the last couple of days just thinking about goodness that the Lord thought it was so important for him to convey to us that the world started good, that he made it that way. And I don't think that a a corrupt God could make a perfectly good world. Like there had to be, he had to be absolutely good in order to make an absolutely good world. So let's talk about that. Like why do you think he put that in so much that it was good at the beginning? Why do you think that's so important to know? I, I think that part of the reason is because we have a sin nature and because we are fallen, it's hard for man to know what is good intrinsically. Uh, the the Bible documents, you know, a, a few select people who just naturally followed. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans. You know, some people will naturally follow what is good, uh, but those are you know exceptions to the rule, and that's why Paul mentions them in Romans. Um, and so, for us to have you know a, a an ability, an innate ability to know what is good. And to know, you know, the original plan and purpose that God had for the world is really difficult to do. And I think that's why God makes it clear that, you know, when, when he when he finished creating the world and he called it good, and then he created Eve and he called it very good, and why he keeps adding value statements to the various things that we read in the Bible is because it all allows us to, to read the Bible and to know the Father's will and to understand what he sees as good such that we might become better reflections of him and know what the good, what true, what true good is. Yeah, that's a great answer. I let's go with that. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does set the standard for goodness, um, and that can be hard when you want to do something bad, 
and you're like, let's, let's have this be okay for me to do. You know, that's, that's where the rub is, is like, okay, but Lord, can I please just do this? How do you think trust comes into play with that? Like, cause I feel like if I know God made a good world and he's good, okay, how am I going to respond to that? How am I going to relate to him? So what do you think about trust and goodness? Is there a connection there? Yes, absolutely. Because you ultimately have to believe that God is good in order for you to fall in line with what God says is good, right? If, if you don't believe that God is good in the first place, then there is no hope for you to actually ascertain what true goodness is. Um, and so you have to trust in God in order to to know what goodness is. And I, I don't think this is, you know, anything controversial. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, when, especially when you look at the church, right? When, when you have a, a group of people who all are living out God's will, harmony happens, right? And people, people love one another, they care for one another. And that's what the church is called to do. And it's because the, when you fall in line with what God says is good, when you trust his value judgments, ultimately goodness is played out in the world regardless of whether you know you're a sinner or a saint and regardless of whether you're you know an atheist an agnostic or a christian it's very clear that when when people follow god's will and you know not not when they fake follow god's will when they say that they're doing things in god's will but it's really just you know them trying to get whatever they want but when people selflessly lay down their personal desires when they you know when they deny themselves and they pick up their cross that's when goodness happens and that can only happen when you trust in God himself. Yeah. Amen. I remember hearing, in fact, I think you can go on YouTube and find it. I wish I could remember the name of that, but there, there was a video where um, it was a story about a town in Central America and they were just, just, people were going to jail. There were drunkenness. Guys are beating their wives. Kids are running around the streets, not going to school. It was just a mess, gambling and addictions and just bad, right? And the and the pastor began to pray and his church began to pray and they just prayed and prayed and prayed and things slowly began to change. People started to get saved. And then this amazing thing happened to the whole town. There was this lift of goodness. Like there was, be- there were better crops. There were the jails started to close because they just didn't have a need for as many because everybody was loving their family and at home hanging out or going to church or something. And then, and there were more, there, there was actually a huge increase in the crops because people were actually coming to work and doing the job. And they would have these carrots that were as big as a guy's wow. forearm. Like he put a carrot in a forearm next and they were that fat and thick. There was this blessing that the Lord brought and it was this whole lift of the entire place because they turned to God. And it was that, it's that, that lift up. Look, once, once God comes in, his goodness permeates the entire region. I mean, not everyone was saved. There were enough though, that it lifted this whole community. Do you know I've about never that heard. Story? That's incredible. Heard of wow. That Praise God. It's amazing. And, and it was totally documented and, and it was just really neat. They showed it in um, this missions class, like to go to a mission trip, you had to watch this thing. Cause you know, we were going to places. And so I, I took this class. It was fascinating, but you're, what, what you were just saying is, was exactly borne out in that, that there is a, when, when God's ways are embraced, when they are used and, and loved, there is goodness that comes. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then I just have to, since you're kind of are doing your political thing, your major is, you know, politics and American stuff. So how do you think, um, going forward, 
I mean, is there a chance at all for our political world to be good again or like have some elements of goodness? Like I thought it was so good at the beginning, like the founder, founding fathers, constitution, you know, and it just seems to have gone down. But how do you deal with that as a, a Christian conservative person who wants to probably launch at some right. point, right, into politics? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, like I said before, your your ultimate hope cannot be in man, and it cannot be in you know whatever political system, whatever country you fall under. It has to be in God Himself, um, and that He will effectuate the change that you're so earnestly hoping for and praying for. Um, however, I, I will say that, ironically enough, I I left D.C. with more hope than I had when I started my internship there, and. Oh, tell me more. Tell me more Absolutely. about that. Why? Uh, the reason why is because I'd always thought that, you know, every politician is corrupt and that, you know, every single person in DC is a bad person and that, you know, it's it's just a a, a hive of scum and villainy that, that only bad people go to and that there's only bad people there. Uh, but that's not the case. And there is a very real contingent of Christians in DC uh, working around the clock. Uh, to effectuate change towards the good and to to cause goodness to happen, to see the Lord's will uh, fully fully brought out in the United States of America, and I, I think that's an intrinsically good thing. It's a good fight to fight. It's a good battle uh, to fight, and in the end, it is a battle that that Christians and ultimately God will win. And so, you know, why not be a part of that team? That's awesome. That's cool. So then, okay, so going into just the details of your personal, not too much personal life, but like on a daily basis, how do you operate in that? Like one of the fruits of the spirit, for instance, is, you know, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. So how do you see yourself like as a 20 year old young man, like, okay, I'm going to walk this out in my life. Like, do you have any insight on that? I mean, I just, I just pray constantly. I feel like that's a spiritual gift. That's that. God has graciously bestowed upon me. It's just like, I just, I'm just always praying. And so that's, that's how I, you know, try to do good. Um, but, you know, you, you can also do good. And I, I always try to do good uh, just in the interpersonal relationships that I have with others. Right. Uh, for instance, the, this summer, I, um, I'm back home in Washington state, uh, but I bought a car over in Virginia where I go to college and not using it. And so I, I gave my car, to somebody else, one of my friends, to use for the entirety of the summer. Is there a possibility that he'll crash it? Yes. But you know what? He's getting more goodness out of that than I would have otherwise. And I think, you know, small things like that of just being selfless towards others um, and, and stopping at nothing to to follow the commands and the will of the Lord is how all of us in the end effectuate goodness and see it brought out in the world. You know what I'm not hearing in you, Darius, is kind of like a everything's horrible. I have a lot of anxiety about the world. You know, there's there's just everything's really going, you know, south. It's it, you don't sound like that. You sound like a person who um, has hope and and you're excited about the future. Am I Absolutely. reading that right? Yes. Yeah, I've I've never really had you know anxiety about the future. It's just. To me, it's never made sense to have anxiety in the future because I like I already know what the future is. I know what the future holds, and so you know, it, if I'm persecuted and you know I'm I'm killed as a martyr, then I'll go to heaven. Who cares, right? And you know, if if it turns out that you know the president that I want to be elected isn't elected, 
who cares? Because in the end, God wins. And in the end, you know, all Christians will be reunited with him in eternity. Such a good perspective. I feel like, I don't know how anybody would make it without Jesus. Like you have to have him for that hope of future things. So absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about the perception of good versus what's truly good. Did you have some insights on that? Like what's the difference? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that the perception of good is what man rules in his own heart to be good versus what is true goodness is what God decrees is good. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think an example of this is in judges where it says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. Right. And, and that's not a good thing. Right. The judges was talking about that in terms of that's, that's a bad thing to do. And then there's also various verses in Proverbs that explain this a little bit further. Um, I think it's Proverbs, uh, what is it? Is it uh, twenty six twelve? Yes, Proverbs twenty six twelve, where it says, uh, "Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? Uh, there is more hope for a fool than for him." Right, and so it's, it's very clear that that man's own heart is very bad at judging what is good, and that's another reason why, you know, back to our previous conversation, why why God makes it very clear in the Bible what goodness is and why he assigns so many value judgments to the world so that we can better understand his heart and, and leave behind our own desires and our own interpretations of what goodness is. Yeah. Amen to that. Because like you could perceive something that's good for you, like taking somebody down at work so you get their position. But of course that's not good for the person who's losing their position. Right. So, you know, that perception of good you can't, you can't just make that call yourself because, again, with that whole sin nature, it's tied into us. Right. When it's even like, well, I think it's even even broader than than that because if you think about the the woman who gave the last her last two cents at the at the tabernacle, right, or at the temple, you know, everybody was saying that was a really bad thing for her to do, right? Why would she ever want to give up? The, the last little bits of her wealth. Um, and, and yet Jesus is saying that she gave more in those two pennies or those two mites uh, than, than anyone else had that day. And that's just a complete, you know, the, the complete opposite of what man's interpretation of goodness is. And I think that this happens a lot of the time with economic goodness or, or you know, economic welfare, uh, because, you know, we even have in, uh, in Mark, when Jesus says that it's harder for, a rich man to, or it's easier for a camel to, to enter through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. And it's because you know, our perception of what goodness is, this, this temporal earthly good, God doesn't care about what we think goodness to be. It only matters that our interpretation of goodness is in line with God. And so, you know, if, if we have anything that comes in between, you know, our heart and God's heart, then it turns from something that's good into a vice. And, this also matters because, you know, in Proverbs, it says that it's it's good to leave a rich inheritance for your children's children, right? Money isn't a bad thing, but when we consider it better than God or more important than, you know, our own hearts being in line with God's will, that's when it turns from a virtue into a vice, and that's when it stops uh, being good. Yeah, I think there's a definite problem with us as humans taking our selfishness and sort of putting it into what we 
view as good. It's really hard to separate those two out. That's why we need the Lord to separate it out for us because we just, we have that tendency towards self-preservation mm-hmm. and, and it comes into how we perceive things and in our, our own like thought processes too. You know, like how do we think about something um, and if it's good or not, I mean, it's, it's just really hard to not think selfishly about, about things. Absolutely. You no, know? because we want to, we want ourselves to be number one, right? Yeah. So any other insights that you've been pondering about goodness? Uh, I, I think just, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's the vast majority of what I've been thinking about. I think it, it also applies to, you know, to modern day moral relativism and, the reason why that's such an issue is because it's exactly what man's heart wants, right? Man's heart wants to be the person who is good. And, and, and no one ever thinks, no one ever is like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm doing something really bad and I'm happy about it. You know, everybody is able to justify their own actions. I, I think I heard a saying once that um, a, a war is always just to the person who wages it or something like that. Like we, we are always able to, to justify our own actions and, and moral relativism, right? The idea that, that there is no objective morality and it's just, you know, whatever, whatever each individual person thinks is good and true, uh, that plays directly into that. And that's why that's such a large issue today. Um, but if we are able to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross as Jesus commands us to, then when we leave behind that moral relativism and we turn towards objective truth and objective morality and objective goodness, that's where we see God. Absolutely. I really can't trust myself. I can't trust my own heart to perceive things. I mean, the, the Bible says, you know, the heart's deceitfully, deceitfully wicked. Who can, who can know it? Who can mm-hmm. trust it? It's, it's that same, that same principle. Absolutely. Moral objectivity, moral goodness, goodness that's objective all of that we are pro that as Amen. christians and i think it's it's an anchor it's it's helps us find the way through you know the lord's given us this wonderful map this blueprint for life and if we stick to it we'll really come out on the end really thankful and and have a good impact so well i have so enjoyed our talk today it's just been such a blessing i hope i can have you come on again you're so insightful at such a young age, you're like super wise. <laughs> I love that about you. So is it because you've talked so much and had conversation? Like, how did you become you? Oh, shoot. I, I, I really don't know. I, ask my mom. It's probably all her fault. Uh, I'll give all credit to my okay. mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's nice of you. So yeah, just in closing, thanks for taking a moment to kind of philosophize with me. We definitely are going into the abstract, but so necessary for us to figure out why do we believe what we believe and will it anchor us? And so what do you think the answer is to that? You know, do you think that our conversation, like just talking about God and, and just some of these, these huge tenets of theology that you've talked about, do they anchor your soul? Absolutely. Yes. And I think that when you yeah. look at people who truly, you know, who truly believe that and who truly do use the word of the Lord and God himself to anchor their souls, um, you know, you see them live at peace with others, you see them live at peace in the world, and you see them, you know, not have anxiety about the future because they know what the future holds. Hey. 
Hey, don't forget to click the like button and subscribe to our podcast and share with a friend. And if you have questions about Genesis that I haven't answered yet, feel free to email me at lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com. That's lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com.